the home of combat audio is open for business. In this corner with Brian Campbell returns with the MMA edition as we filleth the syringe runneth over with another lethal dose of that untraceable, unmistakable performance enhancing audio. The Brian Campbell, in fact, the voice that you hear. Just about ready to tag in my main man, King Mo, Muhammad Lawal. To preview Saturday's UFC 226 card from Las Vegas and react to the latest news around the sport, including the impact of Bellator MMA's new streaming deal with the zone. Heck, we'll even talk a little boxing to hear King Mo's take on the fallout of the Anthony Joshua Deontay Wilder heavyweight title fight that you will not see in 2018. But the guest of the week is a big one talking UFC 226 as we sit down with light heavyweight champion Daniel Cormier. Ahead of Saturday's heavyweight title super fight against Stipe Miocic, D.C. We'll talk John Jones. We'll talk his own legacy. He'll talk about whether or not he will ever fight good friend Cain Velasquez. Should he, in fact, win heavyweight gold on Saturday? Yes, folks, we are back with another loaded show. I back. Trust me. I back. And if you hear something today on the show... That you like. Well, come on. You know what to do. If you see something, say something. Please head on over to Apple Podcasts. Subscribe, rate, review. Hit us up with that five-star review. It keeps this audio coming for free as frequent as it is. Help out a brother if you can. Also, a reminder to check out our pro wrestling edition of In This Corner this week and a special launch of Tuesday as I sit down for 40 minutes with WWE Hall of Famer Bret Hart in a hard-hitting talk to say the least as he pulls no punches talking about his late brother Owen talking about his longtime feud with Shawn Michaels and much much more this is Bret Hart unplugged unfiltered you simply won't want to miss and hey if you want more BC in your life please check me out weekly on CBS Sports HQ the live streaming 24-7 sports app stream it to your television watch it online watch it on your phone And if you want the best highlights and the biggest stories right in your inbox every morning, I'm talking about email, yes, then you're going to want to check out the CBS Sports HQ newsletter. It's packed with all the good stuff you need to see before you start your day. To find out more information, please check out cbssports.com slash HQ daily to subscribe. Hey, it's a great way to wake up another plentiful offering from CBS Sports, just like this show, the ITC. And without any further ado, I got nothing left to sell you, but a great show coming your way with the King. It just, it, it just smells so good. It is a beautiful aroma that arouses me. Enjoy. Oh, yeah. It's BC. It's the King Mohammed Lawal, MMA royalty. Back in the house, UFC 226 week, couple weeks off, so much to talk about. But King, we always get the inside scoop, the fight update. Are you back in the gym? We know you live in the gym. So where are you at, man? What's going on? Great to be back with you. Yeah, I'll be there um, today to work out with Sheface, do some wrestling. And then I'm there this week is my first like you know week full training. I'll be back. So I went back last week, sparred a little bit, played around. This week, it's time to go. Do you need a, I don't know how you, you're, I know you're a money weight fighter, so it's, it's about that check, but do you need a tune up after that loss in the Grand Prix or are you ready to get right back into big names? 
I'm ready to get back, back in the big names. I wouldn't mind like fighting like a Frank Mir or somebody. Or, wow, that's some that's a, that's some super fight. I mean, on the Bellator level, that that's a very intriguing fight between two big names right there. Well, yeah, or just 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 give me a fight, man. I really don't care, you know. Um, it, it won't be till October because September seems all full. So, I think in October. All right, October. You're like I'll fight heavy, I'll fight light heavy, I'll fight yeah. middle if I have to. Whatever has to happen here. Yeah, if I can, like I got going got my body fat tested and everything with the ultrasound, and at zero percent body fat, I'm like around 190 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> so like I can make 185 pounds. It's just that I gotta lose um, muscle, and and I don't know somehow modify the fat. I have no idea. So. Well, you know I like to play Bellator matchmaker with you, and there's a new era in Bellator. Welcome to the Machida era. Can we get King Mo Machida? Can we make this happen? That's a fight. That's a sexy fight right there. Well, what weight class is Machida fighting at now? Uh, he sort of floats between middle and, and 205. Yeah, I didn't know where because like, he hasn't been at 205 in, in a while. Years, you know? Yeah, so. But he can still do it now. He's getting a little older. Yeah, you'll have a size and wrestling advantage, but he's got that front kick. People get caught by that thing. Yeah, I, and I've trained with Machida. I've trained with him a few, quite a few times. All right. you know, I've been in camp with him and everything. So he, he's crafty. It's just that um, I, I, I feel I, I like fighting southpaws. You know, I was doing good against Krokop. He caught me against the gropes, but you know, um, I like fighting southpaws. I just like fighting. Period. You know. Do you have to get that Krokop win back? Is that eat at you? Do you want to get that thing back? I'd love to, but I don't think he's gonna fight again. I think he's done. I think he's done. All mm. right. Uh, sometimes we like to we like to put you on the hot seat. Was was Krokop clean for that fight? True or false? I don't know. Who knows? You know, I, you know, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Because like he looked big. You know what I'm saying? He didn't feel that strong, but he felt strong. But you see, you never know. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, he so he, he looked a lot better versus me than he did like his other fights. So maybe he just had time to heal up. I don't know. I, I can't speculate. You know what I'm saying? Because I wouldn't. Yeah. I went in his body, so, you know, I'm not the type to speculate too much. All right. King, well, I'm fired up for all the MMA stuff we have to get into, but you and I are both big fans of boxing. I haven't done a boxing podcast in a couple of weeks. We're in this weird off season, but there's big news with Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder yeah. not happening for 2018. Yeah. Your take on this. I got my own. What's your take why we don't see this in 2018? My take is that it's still, it's still too fresh. The thing is that if you want to be bigger, what Anthony Joshua did right now is making this fight bigger. Because right now, everybody's like, Anthony Joshua's scared. He's scared. Deontay. So now the, the lines are being drawn. Which side are you on? Team Joshua or Team Wilder? You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's the same thing Floyd did. It's the same formula Floyd followed. Now, now, remind you. Remind you. If Floyd would have fought Pacquiao when the fight was first brought up, it would it would been amazing. But it wouldn't have had the hype it had. Years later. No, it probably would have done – so that was, what, 2010, 2011. At that point, Floyd and Oscar had done 2. Uh, – what did they do for their, when they broke 2. that? 2.24. So let's say Manny Floyd at that point does what? 2.2, 2.3? 2. 2. Because – Nah, it, it would be that. It, it, it would have done probably about 2.5. Okay, which time. would have been ridiculous. Yeah. Ridiculous, yeah. But it did 4.6. You're right. Five yeah, years yeah, later, yeah. it did as, – as mad as I was and everybody was, it did 4.6. That's 4. 6, obscene. Yeah. Now, now the thing about Joshua and uh, Deontay Wilder happening um, happening a year later, I think to me is better. The reason why I say that is because now Pavetkin has been a, a thorn in everybody's side. Get him out of there. Yeah. Once he's gone, Joseph Parker, you know, he was undefeated. He's gone. Um, Luis Ortiz gone. Brian Jennings gone. 
So all the all the top guys that you see want to see fight so and so like Dominic Brazil, um, Gay, the guy that he was signed, the, the the black Polish guy signed by um, Al Heyman, all the who's who, the guy the hot names right now have been taken care of besides one, actually besides three, well, four. There's, there's one other Josh, one. Joshua Fury, Pavekin, yes. and uh, uh, Wilder. Well, to get rid of Pavekin now. To get rid of Pavekin. You have Joshua Fury. I mean, you have uh, you have Joshua Deontay. Let Fury get in shape. Let him get his mind right. Fury versus the winner of that will be mega bucks. Well, I tend to think, though, and my theory on this, by the way, is that Eddie Hearn, the promoter of Joshua, was never going to do this fight in 2018 because there's too many financial reasons not to, to put it off, to make money against Povetkin, which, by the way, is an easier fight than Wilder. Let's be honest. Wilder, whatever you think of him, he's the toughest fight in the division because of that size and power. So if you're Hearn, why not make money against Povetkin? And the wild card in this is Tyson Fury, King Mo, because if he gets back into shape, even though Eddie Hearn said... Hey, Wilder, the offer's still good for next April. We'll do April 13th, London's Wembley Stadium, 100,000. Guess what, King Mo? If Tyson Fury is unbeaten and healthy and, and trim, they're not doing Joshua Wilder. They're doing Joshua Fury. And yeah. you know this, man. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. I, I, I tell him, hold on real quick. I'm, my charger's going to die, but uh, my computer. No, no, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. I, I see that happening. I could see that happening. Here's the problem with that. Tyson Fury will not be ready by by next year. Yeah, he he was pretty. He was still pretty round in the belly in that comeback fight. He won't be ready for like another another year and a half. You know, he's got another three fights, two or three fights. So another We're year and a half or so. But August, yeah, he he's going to take time. But he's young. He's what thirty years old, which is, which is crazy. Now he's young, but the thing, the main thing about him is not this, his youth; it's just his head. Will he be able to fight those demons? Yeah. How That's long can you. he get in shape and then stay in shape before he falls off the rails? It's interesting. But Wilder made a public power move, and here's the problem with Wilder. You're the B-side in this equation, kind of by far. Like, yeah, people in America know you, but financially, you're the B-side by far. So he tried to make a power move on Brendan Schaub's Below the Belt Showtime show by saying, I demand a 50-50 split when we fight next April, or I will not fight you. Hey, King Mo. He's not getting anywhere close to a 50-50 no. split. So that was nice. That was a nice headline. Good luck with that. How how, how did Brandon Schwab show anyway? Because Brandon Schwab doesn't know much about boxing. No. No, he, he he regularly irritates boxing fans, especially when he predicted a Conor McGregor knockout over Floyd. That was that was a tough moment well, for him publicly. Well, well, man, look, look, Brian, look. You need to go ahead and talk to Showtime and get you a show on Showtime. <laughs> let's get, like, let's no, get no, King no, Mo no, in BC on Showtime. Let's do it. Well, here's the, here's the thing. Here's my problem, right? Like, this is what makes MMA people, MMA fan, MMA um, boxing fans irritated with MMA fighters or MMA guys in MMA because they don't understand boxing, nor do they try to understand it. Like you know, Conor McGregor versus Floyd Mayweather was a big money fight, yes, but the ch- that be, the chances of Conor beating Floyd would have been like MMA um, boxing fans saying, you know what, Floyd's gonna knock out Conor in an MMA fight. <laughs> like, come on, man! Like, you know how ridiculous that sounds. Like, I, I you know, I, I think maybe he might be doing that just to troll the fans and just to just like Skip Bayless. Yeah, he may try to do that, but at the same time, like, if you want, if you want to have a, good, a successful boxing show, put someone that's knowledgeable about boxing on the show. Don't don't worry about how well spoken they are. Worry about what they know as far as boxing knowledge. There that's what needs to happen, and that's what's hurting boxing and MMA as well. Because MMA, even MMA, the people you see with the voice don't know shit, but the ones you see without a voice that, that should be heard from more. 
like they're 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 like no no one no one no one wants to hear them talk even though they know what they're talking about. And that's the sad thing in the sport. King Mo bringing the heat. I love this. You know, I mean, there's one thing people can say about Mo indisputably. King Mo's a tough son of a bitch. That guy's all right with me. All right with me, too. (laughs) He's right on. Hey, King Mo, we also saw Greg Hardy make his pro MMA debut and get that UFC contract with a knockout in the Contender Series, a knockout within the first couple minutes against fellow NFL alum Austin Lane. Were you impressed by that performance? Well, yeah, it was good. Every time we had a knockout, it was impressive. Now, for what I understand, he got um, a developmental deal. You know so, what, what, what does what, that mean for the layman? What does that actually mean? Like the same thing that um, what's that? What's that? Um, the Brazilian? Not Brazilian. She's Brazilian, but she's American. She's from uh, the one with the weird accent. Mackenzie Dern. Mackenzie Dern. She had a developmental contract, from what I understand. Same thing with Holly Holm, and they got they had fought on like Legacy or RFA or LFA and did their thing. They got moved up when they're ready. Okay. Okay. Um, obviously, he's not ready for, like, the names that are already trying to call him out. I mean, I've been on radio shows. People are like, do you think we could see Greg Hardy fighting for the title in a year? And, like, I'm just like, stop. But that's a pretty impressive win. I mean, he could have – it could have gone the opposite way. He could have won a gross decision and maybe not got the contract. Now, you can argue he's going to get the contract no matter what because of the ability of his name to sell, to make people upset, to make people want to see a comeback story. But – you gotta say, he showed power, showed showed some smarts in there for as quick as he was in there. I was relatively su- impressed and surprised, and I'm like, I want to see more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a big dude. I spar with him. I've seen him spar with Arvosky. I've seen him spar with many people at the gym. Um, very capable. Um, the my, my main worry is his um, conditioning, mental conditioning. Because physical conditioning we all have, and he can learn how to slow the pace down. But mental conditioning is what Floyd Mayweather and a lot of top top-notch fighters used to do to wear other guys down, putting pressure on them, making them guess, sit and guess themselves, and waste energy. And the thing is, he's so green. You know what I'm saying? Those relaxed, I I can see how his green, him being green, will give him issues. So I feel like the UFC did the right thing by moving him slow, by giving him a developmental contract. So it could prolong his career and possibly make money for the UFC and make him a bigger name and a bigger star in the UFC. They got to go slow, though, and they almost have to do the kind of matchmaking that they're not known for, which is slow, progressive, almost top-ranked boxing matchmaking. Don't put him in there too early with somebody. Time out, time out, time out. They're known for it. Let's get CM Punk. I was probably dog. Mike, Mike, Mickey Gall. We gave him fights. Uh, um, you look, look at let's look, look. Conor McGregor fought good people, fought fought the who's who, but at the same time, he didn't fight the who's who. Like he never fought like Frank Yeager, he never fought Habib yet. Like he never faced like you know. So the thing is like the combat sports really, if they they want to, they can build you and mold you. Just like you, look, you see them boxing and Scott Coker's the king of that. Coker did that with Strike Force, and you see him doing a Bellator right now with um, certain certain athletes. So. All right, all right. We saw King Mo moving on a pair of retirements. Big name, former UFC champion retirements in the past couple weeks. Rashad Evans at age 38, after suffering what I believe was his fifth loss in a row, hung it up officially, something we thought could happen. But I say could because in the back of my mind, you know I'm going, guess when we'll see Rashad next? In the Bellator cage against Vitor Belfort next year. Maybe not, though. At 38, do you think this is it? Hey, I talked to Rashad, man. He's he's like He's like Mo. I'm at peace with I'm at peace with my decision. He's like, um, you know, I'm tired of you know, fighting. He's like, I'm, I'm fighting is cool, but I fight enough, you know. 
No, I, you got to respect when that happens because too many times it's the other way, King Mo. Too many times yeah. it's a guy hanging around for those extra paychecks and taking a little bit extra off the end of their life, potentially. Yeah, you know, I'm hoping there's how to, you know, if he comes back, people, you know, some people retire and come back. It happens, you know, so like maybe if he retires and comes back and takes a fight or two, you know, I don't, I don't know. Because sometimes when you retire, your body takes a heal and you can take easier fights when you come back. Who knows what's going to happen? Because who knows what's going to happen to the UFC landscape? They're leaving Fox, going to ESPN. Who knows? I don't, who knows? Because right now we're shot doing the Fox thing. When they leave Fox, hopefully you get an ESPN gig too, but who knows what they're going to do. And what will happen with Chael, because Chael and Gil Melendez and some of the people were working with ESPN as well. So Quick aside in that category, because you, you made a comment before that maybe MMA television doesn't always put the best voices out there. Which of the ex-fighters or current fighters that moonlight behind the microphone is actually the best at breaking down fights in your eyes that you see on the Fox desk? Who do you think in MMA is the best? I don't know because I've never, I never, I probably, I would never watch it too much, but I think probably King Florian. King Florian's good. Um, Definitely. Um, I'm Dominic a big DC fan. I think he's entertaining and informative. Yeah. Uh, um, Daniel, um, Dominic Cruz, um, Eve Edwards and stuff. Cause I talk with Eve. Like sometimes Eve will, he'll hit me up and be like, what do you think? And then we'll bounce ideas, you know what I'm saying? And debate. But Eve's other stuff, Eve's as well, like, Eve's like, delves in, like, he dives in deep. You know, and then you got a guy like Bisping who just is entertaining. He's like a Charles yeah. Barkley. I'm fine with that. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm really, I never really watched it, so I never really watched it, but the thing is, like, from what I see, like, from the stuff I've seen, Bisping, you know, he's well-spoken, too. You know what I'm saying? He's a, has a, um, a comic relief, and uh, he's real real blunt. So sometimes you need a, you need something like that. Yeah. Like, it's like a Simon Cowell type dude. Now, for Rashad, former Ultimate Fighter winner, former light heavyweight champion, was involved in some of... Before the Connor and let's say Lesnar era, he was a the B side in some of the biggest pay per views in UFC history. If you're talking about Rush, Rampage Jackson, which wasn't even for a title and was expertly booked, expertly promoted, and also the the John Jones title fight, is Rashad a Hall of Famer in your eyes? Yeah, I think so. Like, Hall of like, the thing is, a Hall of Fame is based on what you feel like. It, you know, what I'm saying how you want to make it. You know, what I'm saying like think about this. Um, uh, Stephen Bonner is a Hall of Famer. Yeah, so UFC doesn't always have the – they're like WWE. There's not really rules. So let us let me ask it like this. The only Hall of Fame that I think is really stringent and tough and good is the Baseball Hall of Fame. I think pro football is pretty good. I think the pro basketball one's a joke. Same thing with WWE, like I mentioned. If we had the same standards as the baseball one, which looks be honest, like a guy like Don Mattingly here, like, wow, former MVP was great, but – Got injured, had a short run. He's not in. He may get in when he's 70 years old, but he's not in. Under those stringent standards, do you think Rashad had done enough? Well, I can't compare to baseball, but let's look at, let's look at um, boxing. Boxing Arturo, doesn't care either. They put Gotti in, Arturo Gotti. I mean, it's, yeah, but, no, but, no, but at the same time, like Arturo Gotti got in off of like entertainment value, big fights, big fights, and he actually won, he actually was a multiple time world champion. So like, granted, like, you know, like, granted his, his style wasn't like Mayweather's. But at the same time, he got the job done. I think, I think Rashad is, you know, I think Rashad is, you know, based off of how the UFC does things, he won the Ultimate Fighter. He put the Ultimate Fighter, helped put it on the map. You know what I'm saying? Was the first, was it, I think he's the first Ultimate Fighter champion or the second, or was this, he's the second, second behind Forrest Griffin. Yes. 
Yes, and he's you know he's arguably the best fighter the Ultimate Fighter has ever produced. They produced three champions: Bisping, Griffin, and Rashad. And you can basically say Rashad might be the best fighter to come out of that system. Yeah, yeah, you can say that. You can definitely say that. Um, I the UFC like the Hall of Fame. I, like if they, I think Rashad deserves to be in it. I th- I really feel like there are quite a few people deserve to be in it. I don't think you, have to, you should necessarily go off of what you've done, who you beat. I think you should go off of like. Just your your everlasting legacy, or what, how people remember you, because Roy Nelson could be a Hall of Famer. You think about it, even though he didn't, even though he didn't get it all done, he, he he when he was in the UFC, he kind of changed things. He made it cool to be cool to be fat and knock people out. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> other, other, outside of Tink Abbott, Tink Abbott was like was a big guy that could just throw. Roy was a big guy that could throw and was skilled, so he broke norms. You know what I'm saying? He broke the barrier. Um, MMA, the way MMA is, is entertainment now. So the thing is, really, they should they should pay, put, people, put people in the Hall of Fame based off of entertainment in a sense. Because it's like this: Rich Franklin should be in the Hall of Fame, is he? I don't know. I don't know who's in the Hall of Fame. There are a lot of guys that should be in the Hall of Fame, but they're not right now. Interesting. But Ronda Rousey's going to the Hall of Fame like quick, but there are other people that should have been like from years ago that never got in. I want to say this about Rashad. He had that great early run, and then he lost to John Jones, lost to lost to Rogerio Nogueiro in the in the next bout. He bounced back in 2013, beat Dan Henderson, and then stopped Chael Sonnen. And at that point, it looked like he was reloading for another run at the title. It was sort of his second prime. It's, it, mm-hmm. And then he had that what was it a knee injury that kept him out for two years? Towards ACL. And he was never the same. Lost five in a row since coming back. I felt at that moment against Chael, which I thought at that time, 2013, I was like, you know, Chael might be able to sneak a win here. And Chael got absolutely destroyed. And I'm like, Rashad might have another another run in him. And, you know, those are the breaks. You get hurt and that's it. But Well, see, another thing, he got hurt. And then uh, the thing is, what it got him is when he, he's supposed to fight. Uh, I forgot he's supposed to fight, but the opponent got changed. He's supposed to fight Shogun. Shogun gets hurt. The opponent got changed to Glover Teixeira. And at that time, I was like, man, is Rashad fight Glover? I was like, I wonder who Rashad's going to train for, train with for him. Cause that, me and Glover are boys, and I'm, and, I, and I'm cool with both fighters, and I'm on the outside looking in, and Rashad's like, I'm going to train with Thiago Silva. And I was thinking, I don't think it's a good look for Glover, but you know what? Do what you want. I ain't saying it to him, and he went out there, I was right, you know what I'm saying? It wasn't a good look for, um, That was a nasty knockout. Yeah, and, and, um, Glover is just so big, so skilled, he can wrestle, he can, Grapple, and I think I think that fight hurt him too because he was hurt. But instead of actually just like letting him reschedule the fight, he was like, "No, nah, I want to fight right now. I want to fight right now." And he went and fought, but he was never even healthy. He still wasn't healthy to that day, you know. And uh, you, after that, you saw you saw his health. I think in his leg, his knee go down more. King Moa's second retirement we saw at the age of 34. Johnny Hendricks says goodbye. The former UFC welterweight champion closed his career having lost five of six, including his last six of eight. And King Mo, it was an interesting run. He had weight problems over the second half of his career where he wanted to fight at welterweight, could never could make it, moved up to middleweight, was inevitably too small. But I say he had an interesting end to his career because – you know, he had that fight with GSP, then the two title fights with Lawler. After that rematch loss, the split decision where he lost the belt to Lawler in 2014, man, I haven't seen somebody's career fall off since maybe like Henan Burrell, where you were like champion on top of the world, one of the best in the sport, and then you basically never won an important fight again after that. Yeah, um, 
this one spooks me because I know Johnny. I knew Johnny when he was young. I've known Johnny since high school. You know what I'm saying? And Texas boys. Like, yeah, but no, really from Oklahoma. Cause, you know, he's from Edmond, Oklahoma. I went to school in Edmond, Oklahoma. Um, you know, I, I, I hope Johnny's health is good. I think that, you know, I really think that he shouldn't retire. You know, I really think that he should try to, you know, get his, get his weight right and give it another go at 185 or go 170 or do something. But if his health is, if his health is bothering him, he should retire. You know, if his health isn't right or if his mind isn't there, if his heart ain't into it, he should go ahead and step away from the game. During this losing streak, I remember reading some stories where he was honest. He was like, look, my wife and I had some kids. It got in the way of my training. I wasn't at my very best for some of these fights. Maybe there's some mental blockage in him becoming the best that he can be. And maybe this break, this retirement turns into a one-year break, like you're saying. And then maybe we see him fight Rory into the Bellator banner. Who knows, right? Yeah, um, I, I don't know. We'll see. I don't, I don't, I, to me, I don't think he – some people are so stuck to a, a brand and so such slaves to brands that I don't see – some guys wouldn't even they, – they'd be afraid to go to Bellator because they're afraid that they were to lose in Bellator and make them look bad. I just don't think he can make and compete at welterweight and UFC anymore. And against these UFC middleweights – He's, he's too small. He really is. I know he beat Hector Lombard, but everybody does that. He's too small at middleweight. Because uh, even even at middleweight, and, and I think he's a small at middleweight, period. Because even at Bellator, like, who's going to beat at middleweight in Bellator? Well, he can fight, I guess, bloated welterweights. I mean, essentially, you are just... At, at 185, because really, at Bellator, like, all the guys at 185 are like my size. <laughs> You know he's, in a, he's, a, he's a tweener. He really is. If he, if he, he's great at 170 because of the power and the wrestling, but it's a tough hill when he gets up to middleweight. He is a candidate to need an in-between division. Not that yeah. I want to see 17 divisions in MMA. I don't, King Mo. It's going to happen. It's, what, what they should do is have like a 25 or, or, or 30, 130, 145, something like that, 160, 175. Go to 185 or 190, something like that. Then, then two, 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 team, two thirty-five, and heavyweight, something like that. Like spread it out. But I don't think they'll they'll do that. But it won't be for a while. Well, Big Rig had a fun run when he was on top, and I and look at the big beard, that left hand. You know, he was this sort of like robust guy with a little bit of a belly. He knocked out John Fitch when nobody was beating John Fitch. That one-punch KO of Martin Campman is still one of the, from 2012, is still one of the best I've seen. And then beats Condit, and you're like, wow, this guy's for real. And then King Mo, when he got that GSP title shot, 2013, I think, I'm going to make two statements here. That's one of the most fun title fights I've ever seen. And I think he beat GSP. That was the one that sent George into retirement. I think he beat him. Split decision loss, but I had Johnny. Uh, see, the thing is, like, here's the problem. If it was Japanese rules, I would definitely because when Japan they score the fight as a whole, but in MMA they go round by round, and I think that GSP did enough to win the odd rounds. He went one, squeaked out, squeaked out one. Johnny blasted him in round two, squeaked out three. Johnny blasted him in round four, squeaked out five, and that's it. It's three to two. But really, if you look at the fight as a whole. Johnny with that ass. Yeah, wow. Yes, tell him, tell him. No, I'm serious. If you, if you watch the fight at, as a whole, Johnny beat his ass. But the thing is, 
we don't do it by holes. We we go round by round. True. And that's why I feel like they should they should like you know really when it comes down to it, they should change the scoring a little bit. Like you know, score for the grappling portion, score for the striking portion, score for the overall, and then then have a total from there, and then do totals like every like you know after every round because the ten nine points ten nine must system is or the ten point must system is uh outdated. It's know? outdated it's for outdated. boxing in in reality. It's outdated for boxing. Too. Yeah, they're trying. But the thing is that you know they're trying to make it more in vogue now by saying, "Hey, pass out more ten eight rounds." But even for guys that go down, give a ten eight round. What about and five see- judges and you you rule out the high and the low score and then and then you take the the three in the middle? Yeah, this is like figure skating or something like that. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah. You can you can do, yeah you can you can do that or five judges. I'm cool with that. Or have three judges and explain like you know hey like you know be like. Reasoning, like you know, it's ten nine, and then put reason, That's reason, funny. reason why? Because the thing is that you can put ten nine or ten eight, but why is your reason? Knockdown. You can put knockdown or cut. You know, um, body shots. You know what I'm saying? But put a quick reason why you scored that, scored it, um, put that score down, and that 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 will put um, I feel like that will give uh, put more accountability on the on the judge because then people will be like, hey. You gave it ten, you gave him a ten nine or ten eight for body shots, man. We only counted three body shots and only one really hurt him. So explain that. Oh, I, I'm down for a change. I'm down for that. I also love that soundbite you said of uh, Johnny Hendricks beat that ass. It reminded me of Jamie Foxx. You know, I thought Triple G was getting in that ass. That's what, that's what we're talking about right there. Hey, Johnny Hendricks. Hey, fun career. The two title fights with Lawler were fun to watch. I actually thought that the the rematch, a split decision loss, could have gone either way as well. Johnny could have came out of there as the champion. I thought so too, but what hurt him was, uh, you know, the last two rounds, how he finished those last two rounds. He let Robbie assert himself and steal those rounds with, with, um, with just action. Especially late. I mean, that's what Robbie does. Robbie will give up a few rounds, save some energy, and then, and then in the last minute of the round, just come out hellfire. Yeah. Very, yeah. very fun to watch. Kingmo, let's round up the other news before we get into breaking down what we have coming up. You know, we haven't talked about Conor McGregor in a while. He had that June 14th court date in Brooklyn, which was like a 30-second affair. It got pushed off into July, I believe, where, you know, where he's he admitted guilt. He's going to take some type of plea deal. At this point, as we stand right now in the first week of July, gun to your head, when does Conor come back in the UFC and against who? Just just a spitball, if you had a guess. Next year versus one of, the, one of the Diaz boys. Next year, you say? Because I'm still on the, I think we'll see him against Habib this fall, probably MSG in November. I don't know. I don't think so. Why would, why would they have it in the MSG in November when they, could have, they can make more money if they have it in Russia? I think there's got to be security concerns in that case. There's got to be, right? I, 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 got to be, but at the same time, you're doing Russia. So if you have, like, Fedor and Putin involved, ain't nobody getting touched. Ain't nobody getting touched. There's so much money, man. There's so much money there, you know, and so much power. Like, I've been to Russia before, and man, like, people ain't getting out of line like that unless they have someone backing them. You know what I'm saying? And, like, if to have a big event like that in Moscow, pff, like, like, Gasaya versus Usyk is happening in Moscow, and that was big. McGregor versus, versus uh, Habib in Moscow. Huge. Oh, it would be. It would be great. It would have been like when they, I thought they were going to do the Anderson Silva Chael Sun rematch in Brazil until they were like, you know what? We don't really need Chael to die, right? You know, yeah, like yeah. We, we, we should probably be, be pretty smart on this. Uh, yeah, I think he's going to fight Habib. I wonder though, I mean, I, I'm not a legal expert, but I get the feeling that 
Connor will be cleared to come back. And I also get the feeling that UFC will not punish him for his a- actions at UFC 223. And I still stand on that morality soapbox and say, hey, King Mo, how can they not punish him? He cost like four guys a fight that day. He almost killed Rose Nami Yunus. I mean, like, come on, dude. Like, who just came out? Michael Chiesa just came out and said, hey, Connor cost me a title shot. He cost a lot of people. He could have cost them a lot more. If they don't slap his wrist in any form, they're a joke. They're not going to. They slap his wrist the first time or the second time. How do you justify yeah. that, though? It's different throwing a bottle across a crowd, a water bottle across a crowd. You justify it because the people, the fans want to be like, like Dana White okays this. You know what I'm saying? He okays this. You know what I'm saying? By He picks and chooses who he wants to bash on, on the media. Did he bash Connor? He bashed him for a day, and then suddenly he was like, yeah, I've seen worse. And I'm like, what? Yeah, but look at Jason High. You know what I'm saying? Jason High got, got in trouble. You see, you see guys get in trouble for doing less. The, the, Paul Daly got banned for life from UFC. Yeah. yeah. Ah, all right. Nate Diaz, by the way, Kimo got into another public altercation when he attended a fight and punched a fan. He kind of looked like Stephen Thompson or what was that guy? Stephen Jackson in the Pacers-Pistons brawl running into the crowd punching a fan. Uh, do you think we see Nate? In the octagon again in 2018. I have no idea. I hope so. But they're ki- the UFC's kill like they're killing themselves by not making Nate a star. What are they doing? I know he's hard to deal with, but he's a star. Make him happy. Put him in fights he wants. He moves numbers. Nobody, yeah. anybody that's going to fight Conor McGregor twice in a row and set UFC pay per view records each time, you're not going to take advantage of that. Yeah, but I, I, but I don't know what they're doing. Maybe. I don't know. I think I think between me and you, I think the demographics and the fans starting to change change again. What do you mean by that? Okay, <clears throat> when MMA got big, when MMA first got big, like it was it was pretty much a white sport, really. You know, you didn't see many people of color, black, white, black and Mexican watching it. Then, as it got on Spike TV, you saw a little more diversity, get more people watching it. But now, if you want to look at the crowd, especially in the UFC, like. You see it, but not as it's not it's not as pronounced as it used to be, in my in my opinion. Like you know, what I'm saying because the thing is, they market to a certain like why you don't want why waste your money marketing to marketing in Detroit or in Baltimore when black people don't really watch the UFC like they like they do because there's no market. Black folks don't really watch MMA like they should because they only market market MMA to the black audience. As they much, did what they did in Rashad versus Rampage, but not regularly. Yeah. But yeah, but even but, but check this out. They did it reverse for shot versus rampage, kinda, but they didn't. Think about this, right? They fought in Atlanta, right? Atlanta, all the big, the biggest black stars are in Atlanta. And how many of them were Rashad versus? How many of them were 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 Rashad versus uh, Clinton? I don't remember seeing many. There weren't many. Only do only do from Outcast. Then when then when Rashad fought John Jones, same thing. Weren't many black. Like, so, so the thing is, like, if you look and it, it, so, think about this, right? Like, how many famous Hispanic stars do you see, um, in the in the UFC crowd now? Uh, I don't think I see many. You know, before you used to see AC Slater, you know, AC yes. Slater. Well, man. Um, um, I was I used to see. I, I actually used to see like a few comedians. Like, um, what's that dude's name? Um, uh, he was on the the seventy show. Oh yeah. Um. Will, Will DeRamo, uh, what's his first name? Well, Vladimir uh, Will DeRamo, yeah. You see guys like, yeah, so you start seeing guys like, you know, they, you see him, oh, it's Vladimir Will DeRamo, blah, 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 blah. but now you don't see it no more. What's the heck is that guy's first name? It's definitely not Vladimir. Uh, oh. I thought it was Vladimir or Waldemir or something. 
<laughs> I'm sure it's Wilmer. Wilmer built the Rumble. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow, so wow. I'm just saying, like, just think about it. Like, you know, like now, like, just like if you like back in the day, you'd be like, oh, stars in the crowd. But now you're just showing more fighters than stars. If they show stars, it's like the typical star you see. Like, the star don't look like me. Star is probably a white person. You know what I'm saying? But the thing is, like, it's just that they don't. MMA needs to do a better job of marketing to those of color. Even even Bellator, MMA, MMA, MMA organizations as a whole. Because they tried to market to the Hispanic crowd because they figured, hey, big Hispanic base, we'll get ourselves Roger Puerta, Cain Velasquez, a few other people, and we'll be we'll make money. Okay. You know what I'm saying? But but how how well they they really market the Hispanic Well, Cain can't talk, and they tried that dude with the – was it Eric Silva? He always wore the ma- the mask and – yeah, it was really gone, and, and then you got you got you got to do they try to cut the um Yair Rodriguez, you know like you got, you got Henry Cejudo, but the thing is they even with Kane they're like father, I mean son, like you know grand you know son of a, a Mexican immigrant they pushed that, but they didn't like go into more than that, you know what I'm saying? Which if you want if you want to get to a certain um demographic, market it, but then tell us, tell the story of that person because then there'll be, there'll be thousands of millions of people out there that can relate to that story, but they really don't relate. They don't really, they don't really tell the story of the true story of many of these athletes. It's just interesting. And I, I get why, but every time somebody in the past did something wrong for UFC, Dana would be like, well, that guy's never headlining again. Doesn't say that about Connor. Does not no. say that about Connor. I mean, I get why, but Hey, last bit on Connor. Which fight would sell more pay-per-views later this year? Connor versus Habib or Connor Nate 3? I think versus Habib. It's recent. It's, it's a grudge match. People think they actually want to kill each other. And not just that, but Nate's been out, Nate's been out, Nate's, Nate ain't been, ain't fought in so long. You know what I'm saying? Well, he just fought in the crowd last week at some, uh, some MMA show, you know? I mean, uh, I just want, I miss Nate. I miss stuff like this. You're playing touch butt with that dork in the park. I'm, I, I need that in my life. You know what I mean? (laughs) I, I I might need this too. This solico pucker watch. Three people died making this watch, you know what I mean? I'm a sucker for entertainment, King Mo. That's just what it is. Hey, 40 year old Josh Barnett officially split with the UFC after that whole USADA mishap where he was suspended and shouldn't have been. Junior Dos Santos went through the same thing. Now Barnett's manager says we have five offers. Do you think there's still some gas in that tank? Can we see Barnett winning, I don't know, the Bellator Heavyweight Championship? What do you think here? Barnett is a fucking problem. Yes. yes. Look, Barnett, I have to train with that. He used to whoop my ass. Like He's so big, strong. He's Man, he's cutthroat. Any man that can submit Dean Lister... It's legit in my eyes. And I've only known two, Keenan Cornelius and Josh Barnett. So, um, I'm hope, I'm hope, I'm pretty sure he'll probably go to Risen, but maybe he could do a, Risen, a deal with Risen and, um, and Bellator. Who knows? How know? is that guy only 40? I mean, he made his debut in 1997 at U, at, not in the UFC. He made his UFC debut in 2000, but wow. I mean, it feels like Josh Barnett has been around since MMA has been around. It's like him and Vitor Belfort helped open the door to it, it feels like, you know? Yeah, those two are the only two second-generation fighters still fighting right now. Interesting. So, wait, Josh Barnett's father fought? Is that what you're saying? No, no, I mean, I mean, second-generation, like, a second wave. Oh, like, I, I hear what you're saying. Uh, yeah, because the first wave was Hoist Gracie and those guys, and, you know what I'm saying, that period, then they came in with the um, the second second wave of, like, the UFC. When, yeah, like, but... that's, when, that's when, like, um, when I... Randy Couture came in, and all those guys came in the second wave. We haven't seen him since he defeated Andre Arlovsky in 2016. Hey, I, I, I'd tune in. I'd t- hey, whoever wins that Bellator Grand Prix, maybe, you know, 
Maybe we'll get Chael versus uh, maybe we get Fedor versus Barnett. How about that? I'm sure Scott Coker would be yeah, yeah. looking his. The rematch since it happened like years ago. <laughs> All right, August 25th, we have that UFC Fight Night Nebraska card. New main event, King Mo, because Al Iaquinta is out for undisclosed reasons, which is always a sketchy situation. Mm. So guess who's in to fight Justin Gaethje? James Vick, who came out guns blazing on Twitter and was like, that punching bag Gaethje don't want these problems, end quote. Well, he's going to get those problems. I like the crap out of this fight. I think this is a fight James Vick wins and looks good doing it. Yeah, we'll see, man. Um, Here's the thing. One thing Gaethje's good at is putting that mental pressure on you yes. and putting physical pressure on you. And the thing is, if you can't slow him down within the first minute, the first, you can't make him gain respect within the first round, you're going to have a hard night. Well, he's going to find out if you have a backbone, if you are a real man yeah. in there. He's going to find that out right away. Yeah, and the thing, is, the thing is, like Dustin found out. But Dustin landed that shot. Dustin's landing shots to get his attention. Dustin caught him coming in. But at the same time, that fight was tit for tat. Um, Vic needs to be prepared because Gaethje has good leg kicks, good body work, and he's just, just tenacious and good gas tank. So... Vic, Vic can get it done. It's just that he has to be smart and not fall into the trap of banging it out with this guy. Yeah, because Gates G is just, he's not a martial artist. I'm not a martial artist. I am a fighter. He's a fighter. He's, he's going to come in there to try to eat your soul. Hey, uh, is there, can we play USC conspiracy theorist here? I like him to constantly badmouth the UFC and now he pulls out for uh, undisclosed reasons. There's, there's no connection there, right? I, I don't know. You want conspiracy theory? My conspiracy theory is why it's so quiet about the whole John Jones case. What the heck's going on there? He, he got, he popped for roids last August. The heck's going on here? It's going to be a year later. He didn't get off. That's what's going on. That, that's, that, you have to, you have to smell what the rock's cooking there. If they I, haven't I, I, had I, a hearing yet, it's probably because he's closer to get, by the way, if he gets on as a two time offender, if he gets off up? with like less than a year suspension, I don't get it. What Brock? Well, you know, Brock has kind of, Brock Lesnar's been kind of AWOL too. Oh yeah. Well, you know, Lesnar does have to declare though. He would have to declare himself back in the testing pool like any second now. Hey, but who knows if he has or not? Like maybe he has, it's just that the UFC never announced it. I wouldn't be surprised if we find out after the fact. Oh yeah, he did it back in June. We just didn't tell anybody. So guess what? December 30th in Las Vegas. Get ready. Brock Lesnar, John Jones. Hey, could happen, right? You never know. Yeah, and I'm gonna be real with you. That fight would be so terrible too. Oh, it's a head kick knockout waiting to happen. Not just a head kick, or maybe maybe a knee to the body, or maybe some maybe a submission guillotine choke. Yeah, yeah. Because Brock shoots and goes to his knees. He doesn't shoot through you. He shoots to his knees because he hasn't really wrestled at that high level. He wrestled only at college, and then after college, the longer you stay with competition, your level drops. So once you get to this level right here, if you if you got to this level, like a freestyle Olympic stuff, then it'll be a sword. So we're um gradual decline, but going from high going from college just to um pro wrestling, the decline was pretty bad. Would you beat Brock Lesnar right now in a heavyweight MMA match? And would you take it? I would take it, hell yeah, and I'd beat him. Yeah. What's he gonna do? Shit, double it on me, I'm too short. Yeah, right. I move too good. And then if he gets too close. When he stepped foot in that cage, they're gonna pay the price. What's nap time? It might it might be nap time. That's you know. Uh, yeah, I'll touch him, touch him up. Test that body too. Hey, Bellator MMA just made a lot of news, Kingmo. That is your current fighting organization. They signed a streaming deal with the Zone, which is that English England based streaming network that is trying to put a lot of money into combat sports. They just bankrolled Eddie Hearn to the tune mm-hmm. of like gazillions of money. And this means fifteen annual cards, 
Seven of those cards, though, will be exclusive just to the DAZN app. And the other ones will air, of course, on the Paramount Network. But, uh, what is it? Viacom owns Bellator, owns the Paramount Network. It's all there. But uh, this is rumored to be $33 million a year. This is a good deal for Bellator's financial health, at least, right? Even even if there's that debate, King Mo, of why are you taking MMA off of TV where people could stumble into it and putting it on an exclusive app where you got to be a specific fan of fights to find it. Your thoughts on this deal? Well, my thoughts on my deal is, is, is this. We have Bellator putting out fights for free. And for some reason, like, you know, um, people watch it and people don't watch it. But with, with the zone, what I understand is it's, it's European based, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's from, it's in England. It's big right now in Japan. They make a lot of money there. It's coming to the States later this year. Yeah. So the thing, my thing is, my thing with it is, you know what? Do it. You know what I'm saying? Because people know about Bellator and if they, if they're watching it right now, then, then F them. You know what I'm saying? They can pay to watch it. You know what I'm saying? So my thing is like, Bellator was out there on Spike TV and Paramount, and people were watching. And people people were watching some fights. People weren't watching. People weren't watching all the fights. But they were watching some. But I think it's a good deal. Get the money. Keep on building the brand. Then go back to free TV again. Like you know, once that once that deal's over, with, put all the fights on back on free TV. This is actually good news for the fans if you really read the fine print of it, because what it means is, look, Bellator is really good with those tentpole events, but there's some in between Bellator cards that aren't always the most loaded let's be really honest right this in a lot of ways eliminates that because bellator is now bankrolled enough to need to and have to and want to put on bigger cards the idea of four tentpole cards is now expanding and they're almost doubling coker is prepared to put on a lot more big cards he will have the bankroll in theory to continue to sign the big names continue to get a gay guard musasi a roy mcdonald etc this could be a game changer even just on the bottom line of them having more money to deal with. And, hey, the first announcement, not too bad. September 29th, this is a DAZN exclusive card. You'll have to subscribe to that app. And, by the way, DAZN has not released how much that app will cost per year, but it's rumored to be in the $20 a month range. But that September 29th card, San Jose, get ready for this doubleheader. Gegard Musasi against Rory McDonald for the Bellator Middleweight Championship. And Rampage Jackson, Vanderlei Silva, four, King Mo, four, and this time at heavyweight, because Rampage said, I ain't cutting to no 205, brother. Your thoughts on this as your splash announcement to zone welcome? Well, I'm going to be real with you. I like it. I like it all. You know, um, Roy McDonald versus Gegard Busasi is cool. They have a Welch, they have, doing a Welchweight Grand Prix, I heard, too. That is also going to – there's the first – round matchup the first fight of that will be on this card they have not announced the names but i know coker's hoping for mvp uh paul daly all the big names that you can guess because they have a loaded welterweight division you got to say that ben Askren, do it coker do it and they apparently they, they want to have the winner face rory i'm it, hey look at who it could be it could be like lorenz larkin maybe benson henderson if he wants to fight at welterweight again i mean there's some names this could be fun Oh, Daly, if he's in it, uh, it could be Lorenz Larkin, I think we named him. Lima. Oh, Lima, yeah. of course, yeah. This is, yeah. this could be fun. So, uh, in that, though, there's a little bit of hashtag old guy fights there with Rampage Wandy part four. Um, I gotta, I'm trying to imagine this fight not being disgusting. King Mo, I can't. I can't. I'm sorry, because Wanderlei Silva is not a heavyweight. And heavyweight rampage is is washed and not fun to watch. Well, Vanley Silva is probably about two thirty right now. 
that's a good point. He's he's probably eating. Yeah. Uh, and this fight won't be nasty because someone's getting knocked out early. Well, that's our hope, but I feel like you're going to see two tired guys laying on each other. Nah, because the thing is that Vanderlei, Quentin can't wrestle to save his life, and Vanderlei can't wrestle to save his life. So and, this, so this and, could be the, the sloppy kind of fights that I like, then. This would be sloppy old guy slugfest. Yeah, it's going to be a one-round fight. Think about this. When they fight in the past, it was the same way. Was it no like wrestling or clinching? It's because like, these guys are older. When you, as you get older, you don't want to wrestle because you get tired faster. Trust me, I, I see that. I see it like when I when, in training, like they're talking about, like, Matt can take this guy down, but no, I'm gonna throw my jab. I'm like, no, what? I'm gonna take him down. Fuck, I'm getting tired. You know, so you know, wrestling and grappling gets you tired. So I'm Quentin, weighing 250 pounds, 260 pounds, is not trying to wrestle or grapple. Vanley, being a little older and being injured, is not trying to wrestle or grapple. They're trying to go out there and throw bombs. Well, if it looks like okay, sloppy old guy fights in Bellator that have worked. Ken Shamrock Kimbo. That worked. That was fun to watch. You know what didn't work? Tito Ortiz, Stefan Bonner. That was two old guys rolling around on each other. Hopefully we see fireworks because that's why we tune in. That's why I'm going to pay 20 bucks a month for DAZN. I want to see some sloppy old guy fireworks. But that's just me, King Mo. I I like MMA pornography. That's what you should call it when you get two old guys in there. Well, yeah, Stefan Bonner versus Tito. There were two guys that were out there trying to, like, you know, not going to finish really. Well, they're they're known for, like, knockout power. They're known for finishing fights. They're known for Stephen Bond known for doing his kicks and whatever, and Tito known for taking it down and ground the pound or whatever, right? But Quinn is known for knockouts and slams. Vanda is known for knockouts and knees and punches. Like I don't see this fight turning into a um, some type of grappling or some anything. Solid. I just think, I think it's gonna be a nasty knockout. I think we're gonna see two guys go out there and throw because because really Vanda. Doesn't throw no jabs. Quinn's the bigger man, so Quinn's like, you know, I knocked him up before. I'm gonna come forward and, you know, and do my thing. They both lost to Chael. Except, let's be real, Vanley did a better job versus Chael. That is true. He landed some shots in that second round. I thought. And, and he dropped. And he dropped Chael. He yeah. might. He dropped Chael. I think he might have won the round. He, he won the second round. Like, like, he won the second round, and he did. He had Chael on, like, you know, hurt. So Quinn really never did. I, as a matter of fact, Quentin might have lost every round in that fight versus, versus Chael. I'm done with Quentin, and I love Rampage, but this version of him is just not fun. Hey, speaking of Bonner. One time I was at uh, Mayweather's boxing gym, and I sparred with King Mo, knocked his ass out cold. That, that never happened, right? That never happened. That's that's a pro wrestling promo that never happened. <laughs> that's funny, man. That never happened. No. That never Bonner happened. knows what's up. Hey, Bonner. UFC 226 this week, King Mo, and on Thursday night, it'll be Hall of Fame night. Is it too early to put Ronda Rousey in, or it doesn't matter? This is UFC saying, even though Ronda says, I'm not done. Somehow she keeps saying that. This is UFC saying, you're done. You're done. Uh, it doesn't matter. Like, no, I'm glad she got it in, but really, it doesn't matter, because the UFC can pick and choose whoever they want. That's true. You know what I'm saying? Like, like they can pick and choose whoever they want. Like, ba- like based on how big of a fan you were, if you close your eyes, I could, I could be like, you know what? Nathan Marquardt could possibly... You can, you know what I'm saying? You can, I, think about it. I know you're, you're, you're looking weird, but. Yeah, I'm thinking but, weird too. No, when Nathan Marquardt came to the UFC and beat Ivan Salivary, that was a big ass deal. You know what I'm saying? At that time. Back at that time, it was huge. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, cause I've been, I've been an NHB, Valetudo, MMA follower for years. So I'm going off of, at the time, when Ivan Salivary lost to Nathan Marquardt on Spike TV, 
people's minds are blown because Nathan Marquardt was the king of Pancrase and no one had ever seen him fight in America. And there, there's so much nostalgia, there's so much like so many questions about the Japanese fighting style because that time, like you, you saw all the stuff from Pride and, and like you heard stories like Kid Yamamoto and Gomi and all these other guys knocking people out. So when this guy from Japan came and did this thing, we're like, wow. Then I think a year or two later after that, or maybe must that's when Vanderlei is when Anderson Silva came and knocked out Chris Liebman and didn't get touched. So that's when you saw you saw the Japanese invasion start to happen. I think I think it was led with the uh, Crow Cop and Nathan Marquardt, and then the, then so on. You saw the rest of the guys from Pride come. Hey, Prime Nate Marquardt did fight for the UFC middleweight title and got knocked yeah. out. Prime Nate Marquardt did knock out Damian Maya, Damian which is easier. Yep. He also knocked out Tyron Woodley for the Strikeforce yep. welterweight title. So a couple good wins there. I see what you're saying. Speaking of UFC can put in anybody they want, they're putting in Matt Serra, and I love Matt Serra. There's no reason not to love Matt Serra. He has arguably the biggest upset in UFC history when he stopped GSP. But you know what, King Mo? If there were standards, he's not a Hall of Famer. Let's be honest. Yeah, but, but we're talking about UFC. What standards really are there? But I'm UFC? saying if they had standards, I know, no, but, but but hear me out. What standards are there in the UFC? Like, what 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 do you have to do to get in the UFC? What standards are there? Let's be real. There are people, there are people that in all these organizations that shouldn't be fighting, but they are because in MMA the standards there is no set standard. You know what I'm saying? There is no true like blue chips. There is there, there is no true feeder program. So you never know what you're dealing with. Just don't put Matt Serra's career record up there when they because he's eleven and seven. That's not a Hall well, of Fame record. I know. Well, well, I know it doesn't matter. Randy Couture's got like fifteen losses. I yeah. So yeah. So yeah. That's that's why. That's why. That's why. Like, it's different. But I, feel, I don't know. Boxing, like MMA and boxing are too different. But if you uh, uh, with fifteen losses, unless you have about uh, like seventy some wins or sixty some wins, you ain't getting the Hall of Fame with fifteen losses. You know what I'm saying? The boxing. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you got like seventy something wins, you know what I'm saying? Cause you see those old school fighters, they they have like their records like ninety nine and fifteen and thirteen draws. You know what I'm saying? That's the only way. But but MMA is so different, so new that they have to um they have to make the make it a little bigger into who can get in. Interesting. They are also putting in a fight as UFC does. It'll be the first Dan Henderson Shogun Hua fight. From UFC 139 in 2011. Real quick, Kingmo, your thoughts on that classic. There was some hell raised in that fight. Uh, uh, yeah, um, it was a good fight, man. Um, Dan showed some heart. Shogun showed some heart. It was, a, it was a great fight. I just feel like it's kind of weird to be throwing that fight in there when there are probably other fights that could go before that fight. True. True, but there's no rule. So anyway, let's get into yeah. UFC 226. Kimo, I wrote a story this week that I didn't love writing because I don't want to be that guy. But you know what? International Fight Week, first weekend of July, this big week for UFC. They always put a big fight card in Las Vegas. It's kind of a cursed week, Kimo, when you notice they've been doing this since 2010. Every year, either the main event or co-main has fallen apart. And in recent years, the last three, the actual main event has fallen apart. This is kind of a cursed fight card, if you really want to be honest. I asked Daniel Cormier about that. We're going to listen to his thoughts in a second, but he says no way. Is there is is is, is there any credence to this? I mean, we saw Amanda Nunez hours before the fight pull out last year. Connor and Nate got moved two years ago, and then of course John Jones drugged out the year before. Aldo pulls out. Am I crazy? Yeah, it's coincidence. I don't think this time, like you know, I don't think that happened this time. I think this time, like, you know, it's, everything's going to go, go according to plan. 
All right. All right. I hope so. I don't want to be that guy. I hope people don't be looking for me afterwards. Anyway, speaking of UFC 226, Las Vegas, Saturday night, International Fight Week, Daniel Cormier and Stipe Miocic in the main event for the UFC Heavyweight Championship. I've talked to Daniel Cormier. You're going to hear those thoughts now. Enjoy. DC. UFC 226, yes. you're 39 years old. You are accepting fights these days that are somehow only getting harder, not easier. Why are you doing yeah. this? You, you've been through hell and back with John Jones. Why not just retire and get fat? Uh, Man, I like to chase dreams. You know, and also I've always said, you know, I, I want to do something that when I'm gone, when I'm done with this sport, everybody goes and talks about it still. And becoming a two-division champion does that. You know, your dream of becoming a champ, once realized, you got to start striving and shooting for bigger things. And this seemed like the biggest thing that I could accomplish. No question about it. Let's talk about this uh, recent run of UFC heavyweight champions. Before Stipe, there was like a curse. Nobody could put together a string of three title defenses. It became like the holy grail. Why is that? It's a tough division to fight in. You know, guys hit so hard. Uh, guys are so big and strong that if they connect, most times they can finish a fight. You know, you could be the more skilled guy and still lose a fight because these men are just so powerful. But Stipe Miocic has has solved that, you know, because she's, he's so well-rounded. He's so gifted that he's been able to defend this thing uh, multiple times and, and, and says that he has no intention of ever losing it. Well, that's the thing. I've talked to a bunch of former UFC heavyweight champions in the last two months preparing for this fight, and I get a mix of reactions. Some say, well, look, heavyweight's a crapshoot. Stipe got lucky. Others say, no, Stipe is the new sort of blueprint on how it should be. I mean, how much of that is luck and skill when you look at what Stipe has done? I think he's been very skilled, you know, because it's not like he didn't run the risk of not having that belt. I mean, over him, put him on his butt in his first title defense, you know. So it's not like he didn't have to get off the canvas, get up, get back to what he was doing, and go finish Alistair Overeem less than three minutes after he had been knocked down himself. So uh, he's he's a skilled guy, and he's a tough, gritty, durable guy. That's why he's been so successful. If he defeats you, which I know surely you don't think is going to happen, but, you know, it would elevate him in the conversation just on the title defenses alone. But in your opinion, because not everybody's put together three defenses, but that that doesn't always define the best. Who is the best UFC heavyweight champion in history in your eyes? Cain Velasquez, still. And I'm not even saying that with the teammate bias. I'm saying that because I truly believe it. And I truly do believe that if Stipe was scheduled to fight Cain, Kane would and should be uh, favored to beat him uh, pretty comfortably. Very, very interesting. Well, this is an interesting transition and segue here, DC, because as the legend goes, one day my kids are going to ask me, like, hey, Dad, you covered the UFC. Who was Daniel Cormier? And one of the first things, DC, I'll say is, son, he's an all-time great, but he's also such a good dude that he was actually willing to move down a weight class so he didn't overshadow his teammate and best friend. This is like George Washington chopping down the tree. Can you take me back through that decision years ago when you said, I'm going to do this, I'm going to cut down to 205 because Kane is the champion here. What are those conversations like between you guys back then? How hard was it to actually make that call? You know, it wasn't that difficult because I knew that my dreams were to become the champ and 
I, at the time, thought that there was no way Kane would ever lose the title, right? So I was like, man, as long as he's champion, I'm not going to get a chance to fight for the belt or become the UFC champion. And, and in my eyes, he was and still is the greatest heavyweight of all time. So I was like, I need to do this so that I can try to uh, accomplish my ultimate goal, why I got into the sport, you know, and I told Kane, and he goes, can you make the weight? I said, yeah. He goes, and I'll do everything I can to help you become a champion. And uh, that, that's how it's been from day one. And now that I'm going back up to heavyweight, no ill feelings towards Kane. He just passed me right now driving up to the gym. He's been in there day in and day out trying to help me accomplish that goal because that's what we do for each other. You know, we try to help each other become the best. Well, the obvious follow-up question that everybody's going to tell you leading up, not to look past Stipe, but they're going to be like, hey, DC, if you win this belt and Kane gets healthy, what happens? What, what, what do we, where do we go from here? I mean, you know, I, I, again, like I said, I truly do believe he's the greatest heavyweight of all time. And, and when he's healthy and ready to fight, he'll be the heavyweight champion again. So uh, that's not like one of those deals from seven, five years ago where, what do you do, DC? Nah, I'm the champ. If I'm the champion of both weight classes, when he's healthy, by the time he fights once and he earns that title fight, I'll probably be retired. <laughs> and if not, I'd go back to 205 anyways. You know, that's like the weight I really do enjoy fighting at. Well, you've been a nice guy in the past, and you said, I can't even beat this guy in, in sparring and in practice. But do you, no. But as a, as a, forget the friendship, as just a competitor, you got to feel like you would beat him, though, if that ever happened. No. It would be a nightmare to fight Cain Velasquez in a fight. Be crazy! It's impossible. It's it honestly feels impossible to fight Cain Velasquez in a fight. So when I watch him lose to Verdum and I watch him lose to Jado Santos, I'm still amazed that it actually happened because he's that good. All right, can't argue. You've been in there. You've been in there in the trenches with him. Can't argue that. But let's talk about your previous run at heavyweight, which it was dominant. It was like completely one-sided dominant against very elite names. How different are you as a fighter? At heavyweight compared to light heavyweight, I'm just. I, I I think today I'm just a better fighter than I was back then. You know, I, I mean, it's not even that I, I I was better at heavyweight as opposed to light heavyweight. I think just today I'm a better mixed martial artist than I was in 2013. I mean, I have to be right. I mean, I have to be better because I've had five years to get better. So, um, I think it just allows me fighting at heavyweight takes away a lot of the stress. You know, I do a lot of. When I'm fighting at 205, I have to really manage my weight. Um, a lot of times, every single time I work out, I know I have to lose five pounds. If I don't lose five, five pounds, I've got to continue to work out. Uh, I don't have to do that at heavyweight. I go and I get my work and I get better. Once I feel I've gotten my work and I've gotten better, that's the end of it. I don't have to stress on a certain number that needs to be lost over the course of a workout. Well, then what do you think your advantages are against heavyweights when you're in there knowing your skill set and your body type? Speed, speed, speed and cardio. Like, those guys are hit hard. They're strong. But because they hit so hard, they tend to throw everything hard, so they get a little tired or faster. I mean, I've fought some guys with fantastic cardio at 205. You know, Alexander Gustafson has phenomenal cardio. John Jones has phenomenal cardio. I don't think those guys, uh, the vast majority of the times, the pressure and the pace that I fight at will make guys wilt. And uh, at 205, it takes a little longer for them to wilt. At heavyweight, they would get tighter a lot faster, and I could sense it a lot earlier in the fights. 
Interesting. There's this uh, recent curse, DC. I don't, I don't want to be a, a Debbie Downer here. I, I'm bringing up curses a lot, but the international fight yeah. week, the big cards, the big pay per view, something has seemed to fall apart every time in the last five years. You lived it at 200 with John Jones. Is there anything in the back of your head like you got a fear that you know somebody's going to blow weight, somebody's going to blow an ankle, anything like that? This this has been a cursed fight date. Yeah, you know, I think that's just part of that's just part of life. You know, things are up and down, and, and I, I don't, I don't anticipate anything like that happening this time. I mean, Stipe's a pro, I'm a pro. We're gonna go out there, and we're gonna just fight. You know, I just hope that over the course of this last 17 days or, or however long it is, I mean, guys are smart and train accordingly. You know, we just can't run the risk of any injuries, and as long as we don't get injured, uh, we'll be locked in that octagon going at it. How hard emotionally, looking back a couple years ago, was that to go through ahead of 200 with Jones getting popped? And then you essentially go, Daniel, from the, if you like pro wrestling, which I know you do, the baby face against John to, like, the villain against Anderson Silva in, like, a day and a half. How hard was that? Uh, I didn't really think of it in terms of the emotion. I just think it was just a different fight, you know, to go from a guy that's young and athletic and gifted and in shape uh, in Jones to Anderson, who pretty much got off the couch and, you know, he, he wasn't necessarily at his best. It, it really did kind of change the way you approach the fight, you know, and, and, uh, made it a little bit difficult. But in terms of, you know, good guy, bad guy, that doesn't really, uh, bother me all that much. I didn't, I didn't really think of that. You know, I didn't really think of that too much when I was fighting Anderson. I think, I became the bad guy more because of the approach I took in the Anderson Silva fight and just kind of made it really easy instead of standing and trading with him. Did that that body shot hurt in the third round or or, or, or what? That that looked like a little little dangerous there, DC. It hurt a ton. <laughs> it hurt really bad when he did that. He did a good job of pointing his toe when he did that kick. But that's Anderson Silva, right? He's one of the greatest strikers of all time, so he's going to find shots. I'm just lucky that that was the only one he found over the course of 15 minutes. But it was real good. It was a real high-level technique, and it did hurt. I love the honesty there. All right, this fight against Stipe, you already talked about sort of what's at stake, what it does to the idea of a legacy. In your eyes, if you beat Stipe, two-division champion, does this remove the need for anyone to use John Jones as a negative when talking about your resume? Uh, you know, I imagine it would, but for me it's not necessary anymore. You know, I've, I've kind of let go of that baggage. Um, this whole John Jones thing has been marred in controversy and never on my behalf. So I can't let that dictate how I approach my career in any way, shape, or form. I didn't do any of those bad things. You know, I didn't do steroids. I didn't get taken out of a fight for steroid abuse once and then test positive for steroid the other time. I didn't have – I didn't get, uh, after the first fight, have some – or before the first night, have rinky-dinky tests to start. Like, there are just so many reasons why I should not even be tied to him in that manner anymore. And I've gotten to the point now where it doesn't affect me. So uh, this is for me. This is for the people that I care about and the people that I love. And they're going to respect what I did. And even if I didn't win, they would still respect everything I've accomplished. Well, I'm sure you saw when UFC posted that video of you saying, look, if I win this, i got to be in the GOAT conversation. i got to be considered among the greatest of all time. John... Came out of nowhere and fired back on you on Twitter. Did, what was your reaction to that? None. He doesn't have a platform, and I refuse to give him a platform. He's 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 a nobody. He's been suspended again. He's been mirrored in controversy for 
drug abuse. I mean, what? Your issues are tied to steroids, performance enhancers. You don't get a platform when you like that. That's like me glorifying Lance Armstrong. In your heart of hearts, because the rematch is taken out of the books, right? John got popped. 214 never happened. In your heart of hearts, is the first fight tainted as well? Uh, he won the fight. And, uh, but, hey, since Usada's gotten into, uh, since Usada's gotten involved with the UFC, he only fought one time. He's, he's had four fights scheduled. He fought once. No, he fought Ovitz and he fought me. But that second one was a no contest. The Ovitz fight was the only time that he's, he's ever fought and there was nothing surrounding it. So. I'm pretty sure there was some controversy. There's some dirty stuff going on. That's why his test results were all jacked up in December. Well, then that puts even more onus on what this win could do for you if we remove that Jones chapter. And the betting odds, DC, have you as the underdog. I, I, I'm not sure if you pay attention to that, but did they get it wrong? What did they get wrong here as they enter into this fight? Should you be the underdog knowing what Stipe has done and you're moving up in weight? Yes, I am rightfully the underdog. I'm rightfully the underdog. Um, he's the heavyweight champ, and he's the greatest heavyweight champ of all time. So, yes, I'm the underdog, and I deserve to be. But that does not determine how I approach the fight, and that does not determine how I intend to win the fight. Hold on one second. All right. Did I lose you? No, you're okay. good. You're good. Yeah, that's it. All right, to close here, DC, you mentioned sort of, hey, if you win, you don't know how long you're going to be fighting. Is there an end date? Is there an exit date? Because, you know, I could give you scenarios that I'm sure you've already thought about, like you win this fight, yeah. and then that guy Brock Lesnar comes back, and maybe he shows I've, up. Yeah, at... I've said... <laughs> what do you got? I've said, I've, said, I've said, you know, by March 20th, 2019, I'll be retired. All right, so you're like, hey, if you, if you want to make that Brock Lesnar by, fight by, happen, let's make it soon. Let's make by it March soon. 19th, yeah. I'll have to make it soon. But by my 40th birthday, I'll be done. There it is. There it is. DC, pleasure talking to you, sir. Best of luck in this fight. I pray. Right, man. I respect you. what you're doing here. So go out and get it done, man. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Because I'm feeling it's fight week. I'm getting pumped up. To me, two champions facing off with a lot on the line historically for both. We'll get to that in a minute. This really feels like a super fight to me. Uh, it, it is. Um, it's super fight. It's just, um, I don't know the line, the belt's on the line, but more of it, more, the more, the thing that's on the line most is like, uh, the legacy for both fighters, really. Um, but really, uh, just to get a win, because Daniel's already proven, stupid Miles already proven, so now it's just time to prove the, the best heavyweight. And Daniel is a heavyweight now. He's probably about 245, I bet, 235. Steve is about 250. So, you know, it's going to come out that he's the, the, the better heavyweight. All right, we're going to get into who wins, all that stuff. But in that conversation we just heard with DC, King Wall, I put him on the spot. I said, look, you say you're going to retire before your 40th birthday, which is next March. You also said you would never fight Kane, and you moved down to light heavyweight only to avoid Kane, who's your bro, your brother. He's tra You're training with him now. He's your guy. But Kane's still alive. If you win this heavyweight championship, what happens next? He says, I'll give up the belt if I have to. I'm not going to fight Kane. He's my guy. Have you seen this kind of loyalty and love in, in, in training? A training bro? Is this a smart move? Yeah. You know, it happens that, you know, um, Daniel's, Daniel has enough money. You know what I'm saying? He doesn't need to fight no more. You know what I'm saying? So 
He says know. he would go back to 205 rather than fight Kane. Yeah, well, this is training partner, so what's the point of fighting somebody that helps you win your money? Well, some people would say that about Rashad Evans and John Jones, but it happened to the tune of some big pay-per-view buys. Yeah, but the, the, the reason that happens is because John, you know, Rashad, Rashad left Greg Jackson's camp. You know, that's why it happened, but um, Kane and uh, Daniel still train the AKA. Now, DC in that interview, we talked John Jones. He says, look, John Jones can't talk trash to me publicly. He has no platform. It's like giving Lance Armstrong a chance to talk. And I said, hey, DC, you heard it. That first fight, when Jones beat you by decision in 2015, is that suspect as well? That was pre-USADA. DC says, heck yeah, it was. And DC is saying, none of these guys can be considered in the greatest of all time conversation. Not Anderson Silva. Not John Jones. They got drug issues. He says, if I beat Stipe, that greatest of all time conversation is me, Demetrius Johnson, and GSP. And that's the bottom line. Uh Right, maybe, yeah, it could be. I, I, the thing is, when it comes down to it, everybody has their own opinion. You know what I'm saying? When, and when it comes down to the greatest of all time, I could be like, the greatest of all time is Hoist Gracie or Daniel. But when it comes down to it, like, the greatest of all time comes down to the person, the person that's picking them. Very true. And I know that's not your favorite uh, conversation to get into, but there's. Well, like- no, it's, not, it's not that. It's, it's not that because, like, like, for instance, like, when we talk about basketball, when we ask about who's the best, greatest basketball player of all time, we have we hear a bunch of different names. Same thing with MMA, a bunch of different names. Now, if we talk about swimming, they'll probably just say Michael Phelps. You say track and field. Things, things that involve time, it's easy to say who the best is because time don't lie. Things that involve fights, styles make fights, so it's hard to tell who. Because, like, when, like, you know, like, for instance, the greatest of all time, like, from before, how I many, like, Fedor at one point is the greatest of all time. You know what I'm saying? Like, MMA, since I've been watching MMA or NHB, Valley Chudo, how many names it's had, it's had probably about 15 greatest of all times, if not more. And, well, I, and the thing is, the thing is I, we can go over it. Like, that's what people well, do. That we got to we gotta know. We got to always have the yeah, pulse. I, I know, but I'm, saying, but I'm saying, like, MMA's only been around for who knows how long. Well, the, but I got to be honest. Because UFC did not have strong drug testing before the USADA era, and the USADA era is not perfect, by the way. We've seen a couple of guys get banged who didn't deserve it. Um, it it does make it tough when you're looking at John Jones and Silva, and, and and even even anyone when you look at Brock Lesnar or Randy Couture, knowing how easy in that era it was. So, do we have to make the decision when we are making these debates of just saying, kind of like baseball? You're like, well, look, yeah, Bonds, McGuire, all them were touching it, but what are we going to do? Act like they didn't exist? It happened. So. I don't think we can remove John Jones from the conversation. To me, John well, Jones is still the greatest fighter I've ever seen. Well, well, the thing is that you, you don't have to remove anybody because the thing is that what's going to happen is in about three years, two years, some guys will pop up and it could be me on this podcast and you'll be like, man, Mo, so-and-so is the greatest fighter I've ever seen. And I could be like, hey, what about John Jones? You'll be like, well, he was good, but yeah. you know what I'm saying? So as, as, as fight fans, we always do that. Think about it. We move the, we move, we move the, fil- the, the goalposts. We always move it. We always have excuses for why we, we justify this guy being, but not this guy. And, you know what I'm saying? Because we, we're always looking as fight fans, we're always looking for the next best person to watch fight. You know what I'm saying? So it's always what have you done for us lately? You know what I'm saying? Not you know, a lot of times like, we forget what you've done in the past until you we really sit down and talk about what you've done in the past. And uh, you know, um, Daniel, what Daniel says does hold some water, but at the same time, the casual MMA fan just will forget about John Jones for the drug test. Forget about Brock Lesnar. We'll forget about this. Forget about that. 
and remember just other remember just other things that don't matter. All right, answer this tough yeah. question then. If DC mm-hmm. wins, if he beats Stipe, he would be the fifth UFC fighter to hold titles in two weight divisions. The second joining Connor to do it simultaneously. He would be unbeaten at heavyweight, having won the Strike Force World Grand Prix, including wins at heavyweight over guys like Frank Mir, Josh Barnett, like, you know, nothing to shake your head at. Never would have beaten John Jones in theory, but would this make him in that conversation of the four or five greatest of all time if he wins it? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, I, I guess because the thing is, like, it just depends, man, because it depends, like, it depends on when you start watching it. Because remember, if we go back, how big MMA was, because in my opinion, MMA's big now, but it had more hype around it when I first got into it. So Randy Couture was a, Randy Couture, some of these guys were like Randy Couture, Dan Henderson, Quentin Jackson, Vandalay, Chuck Liddell, Rich Franklin, Forrest Griffin. These guys, were, because Spike TV was pushing them, these guys are bigger than life. I feel like Spike TV did a better job of pushing the fighters than Fox did. Like, think about this, like, I remember when, when they had pay-per-views, you see them all day on Spike, all on, on Viacom channels. Now, I just saw the Daniel Stipe Meiosic commercial for the first time, like, 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 like a few days ago. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, and I, 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 I always watch TV. I, th- I feel like, um, it depends on when you start watching it. Because when, when, when Spike TV had, uh, had, had the UFC, I felt like it was just bigger for some reason. Like, even like, the energy was different. But then, when Fox got Connor, Connor had something that changed everything because Connor's fan base changed the UFC for Europe. You know what I'm saying? Everything is all, it's all different. It depends on, because think about this, right? Years ago, MMA was bigger in America, in my opinion. Now, the, the, it's all switched now because now MMA is bigger in Australia and it's bigger in Europe than it is in, in, in America. It's bigger in America still, but I just feel like, I feel like, People are more excited, more enthusiastic about it elsewhere. That's true. I also think some of those early guys, though, the fact that they were so early goes against them. Like, no one can debate what Hoist Gracie accomplished for that time, yeah. but no one puts him in that conversation because they know he was fighting guys who had never heard of jujitsu. So you don't, like, you don't hold it against him, but at the same time, he's not on the level of a GSP Anderson Silva, what they've done in the modern time. That's just the way it is. So that's, that's sort of the ground rules, I think, for these debates, but it's all subjective. And there's one other debate, Kimo, as we enter this fight. The idea that Stipe Miocic, if he isn't already in your eyes, if he beats DC, which would be his biggest high-profile win to date, he might be the greatest UFC heavyweight champion. We might have to finally say that. That'd be four title defenses. No one else has been able to put together that run, even if in our hearts we love what Randy Couture did, or even if we say Kane would have been if he didn't get hurt. Stipe is developing a resume that's going to be hard to look past if he goes in there and he takes care of DC. True or false? You, your thoughts? I don't know, man. Because the thing is, like, like I said, it depends on when you start watching the fighting. What about you? Look, I want to know your take. Uh, my take? It depends, man. Because I think Stipe is big, but for some reason, Fedor. Like, I know we're talking about you talking about UFC. Talking I am about, talking about UFC because I wouldn't okay. compare him to Fedor. Okay, okay. Uh, in the UFC. Um, I'm sorry, Brock and Randy. I know Stipe's better, but as far as like just like hype, notoriety, if you want to push the push the pay per view with the win name, I would I would I think I think Randy and Brock are more influential heavyweights than than Stipe. You know what I'm saying? Because the thing is, it's something about them. They they changed the game up. They when they when they got like when 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 uh, um Randy started fighting, we're like okay. 
change your diet up, yes. get in shape. Boom, boom, boom. Randall gets hired. Then when Brock came, they're like, oh, man, we have to get bigger, strong. Get big, strong, big, strong. When Stipe came, it's like nothing, like, what, what? Like, the, the, nothing. He didn't change the, 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 the landscape of him. He did by the wins, but he didn't do it, like, as far as, like, pop culture in a sense. Because when Randy, when Randy was fighting him, it was like, it's the old man. He's in shape. When well, Brock that's the was thing. Fighting, he was oh. in his 40s. He was Captain America. Yeah. He was getting these upset wins, moving yeah. back up in weight. Yeah, and, and, and Brock, same thing. Brock came in, almost beat the champ. And it was like, wow. And then he came in and was like handling business. So, and then even, and then, and then I would, I would say Stipe is above Overeem. You know what I'm saying? I, I think he's more influential than Overeem, but, I, but really Brock, I, I think, I think he's the, the big three. But I, th- I think, man, I think, I think Stipe is probably, is probably above Brock, but right below, um, right below. Right, um, here's Randy. a tough question. Stipe's dominance has come in the USADA era. Is there any connection there? Uh, is he the, just the, the cleanest, strongest, most well-rounded guy? Because I think what separates Stipe from some of these other guys is he's got a backbone. He's got a chin. He's gotten rocked in a lot of his fights and held in there. Even against Ngannou, he got rocked. He's He never folded. That's got to be part of his intangibles. But is well, he also well, well, facing well, a watered-down period? Because you could argue that Randy Couture didn't really fight anybody either during that run in the middle 2000s. Yeah, yeah, yeah but at the same time, it depends on when you were watching MMA. Because – Here's the problem, right? Like, think about this, right? When we're watching MMA on, 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 on Spike, all those names, like Christoph Sosinski, bigger than life. Think about it. All well, those names. Not people... really bigger than life. Well, no, 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 no. Seriously, because they were on TV. Bro, mind you, I was around these guys. So I'd see them go out to the club, go to restaurants, and people were all over them. I loved them in that oh, movie, by the way. Brit, what was that movie with Kevin James, that UFC movie? Christoph hey, Sosinski hey, was in the main event. Yeah, it was a good movie. But, 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 but what I'm trying to say is, like, Back then, because of Spike TV and he was on the reality show and all that stuff, they made these guys seem bigger than life. You know what I'm saying? Now it's like, oh, he's a fighter. But back then, it was, I think, I think the enthusiasm gap has changed. You know what I'm saying? It's all subjective, but now let's yeah. talk about the actual fight. King Mo, you are our analyst. You break things down for us. Daniel Cormier, unbeaten at heavyweight. Hasn't fought there since 2012, I believe, but He's a big dude. He's quick. He's all those things. How does he beat Stephen Miocic? I think he beats my decision. I think he's taking takes him down, wears him out. Could, could possibly submit him. Stephen gets tired. And you watch this fight versus uh, um, tall guy Stephen Struve. Stephen Struve beat him. He was touching Stephen. Stephen Struve was touching Stephen with the jab and busting him up a little bit. I think Daniel. Um, um, could uh, do the same thing. Not with the jab, but I think off of, we, we, we could open things up off of takedown attempts. All right, but to, but to, but to, fair, to be fair to Sipe, he says the first fight with Junior Dos Santos changed his career. He went five rounds. He lost the close decision. He said that was the fight that gave him the confidence and taught him that he needs to get his cardio to elite level. So if we're looking at the modern J, J, uh, the modern Stipe here against Kane, can Kane outwork that gas tank? Can he push him? You mean Daniel? Yeah, I'm sorry. Can da- I'm sorry. Can Daniel Cormier outwork this version of of Stipe? Yeah, because Ngano got Ngano got wait, what's um um Stipe got Tyrus Ngano. Well, then the other key point then is what about Daniel's chin? He's a tough, durable guy. John Jones head kicked him on steroids and knocked him out. Can DC take some bombs and keep coming against a puncher as hard as Stipe? Yeah, because does DC have to get hit? So how does he avoid? Does he crowd him? Does he try to stay in that clinch the whole time? Yeah, he just crowd him, faint, 
get to single leg, get your underhook. It's, it's gonna trust me. It's gonna is you're gonna see Stipe against the cage and get out worked. All right, and if you're in Stipe's corner, what is your game plan? Bend your legs, throw your jab. I'm um, down, throw the kick, counter with your right hand, touch the body. I'm fired up for this fight because there's a lot of intangibles. There's a lot of what ifs. I mean, Stipe's a legit puncher. DC knows. There's difficulty here, but if that goes to the ground, you gotta love DC's wrestling. I mean, Steve Pay told me I got underrated wrestling. No one talks about it because I stand so much, but he doesn't have DC wrestling. No, no, but the thing is that you don't have to have, you don't have, to have DC wrestling, but all you have to do is understand certain positions to keep yourself from staying on your, on the, on your back or keep yourself from staying on the cage. All you have to do is get off the cage or bend your legs more than anything, stay in an athletic position so you can be able to maneuver around and defend the takedowns. Stipe is the betting favorite. Vegas has him as a slight favorite. I respect that because of the power and the run he's on. But King Mo, in my heart of hearts, when it comes to decision time, and by the way, I've interviewed a bunch of former UFC heavyweight champions for a story I've got coming out this week, and almost every single one is picking DC to win. I got to be on their side. I think Daniel Cormier is of the all-time level in terms of heart, backbone, strategy, mind, all that. I like DC by decision in a gutty Physical performance. What is your prediction? I think that I think Dan's gonna be by decision. I got down by decision. Maybe stoppage in the fourth. Maybe who knows? Depending on how tired Stipe gets. You like DC's ground pound when he needs it? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty good. It's solid. It's, I just think that like it's not, it's not the ground pound. It's just the pressure he keeps on you with the the, the weight. And he says, Stop look, it. at heavyweight, I got advantages in speed and cardio, and it's tough for these guys to. To keep up with that. So that's going to be very interesting. Now, now, one thing that DC did say on the Ariel Hawani show this past week was I have an exit plan. My exit plan is not fighting Kane, as we talked about. My exit plan is Brock Lesnar in my first heavyweight title defense and the John Jones trilogy to end my career. Both would be hella business, King Mo. Do you think he could beat Brock Lesnar? Yeah, I think he'd beat Brock Lesnar fairly pretty easy. Brock ain't a fighter, man. Brock's a pro wrestler that fights part-time. But, he's a, but here's he's a the thing about Brock. That, that if, wrestles part-time too. If Brock fights Stipe, I'm like, first round knockout. But if Brock fought DC, I would give Brock a chance. Nah, not me. Cause what's, what's Brock gonna do? Wrestle him? But, but like, people, Brock's wrestling is strong, but not that good. I remember watch, watching Brock lose to West Hand. West Hand was the guy from Iowa. Brock's wrestling, Brock would have got smashed, flipped the trial. That's why he didn't go. So he went to WWE. Daniel, Daniel, if Daniel would have wrestled Brock, he'd beat Brock easy. Like, no problem. And Cole think, Conrad, Cole Conrad meets Brock. And there's a illusion. There's the part of the the figuring out if Brock can do things these days is it's tough because we last saw him at 200, but he was jacked up on roids and he had a great motor. But that's not who he is as a 40 year old fighter anymore. And before that, we hadn't seen him in the octagon since when, like 2011, when Kane knocked him out. So it's not like he's got a great history of taking punches, and it's not like he could be, if he's clean, that version he was even against Mark Hunt. Did you did you respect that version of him? I mean, as a dangerous title contender or no? No, no. Because he was running and shooting from far out. He was just shooting for the ankles, and he didn't do it. Mark Hunt was just sitting there chilling. As a matter of fact, at the fight ended, Mark Hunt was even Mark Hunt was like, what the hell? You know, I, nothing happened. So my timeline was off. 2011, he lost to Overeem, of course, in that, in that last fight after they lost to Kane. But yeah, all right. That's interesting. Um, I, by the way, am of the belief, whether it matters to you or not, that we will, we will. I know DC says I'm retiring at 40 no matter what. So guess what? Bernard Hopkins said the same thing. He thought he was 50. But my thing is this. 
we will see a DC Jones trilogy fight. It, it, it would mean too much to the UFC. Storyline-wise, it would be incredible, and it would give DC that chance to remove that part from his legacy. And he's staying in his legacy from it. I don't think we will. Unless, unless Jones gets off. You know, so that's why, to me, it's how weird because things are real quiet. When things are that quiet, I mean, it could be good or bad. So, it, I don't know. I, I hope Neil can get it, but for some reason, I, I don't know. Just, I don't here's know. My, here's my asterisk. We're going to see it at heavyweight for the heavyweight championship, Kamro. Quite possibly. Would that increase DC chances doing it at heavyweight? I don't know. I just, because John Jones walks around, the, walks around heavy too. You know what I'm saying? He gets a lot of weight. I, I think Dale could beat him, though. You know what I'm saying? But I think really February 205 is the same. You know DC's theory, by the way, that John was clean for OSP fight in 2016 because that was the only fight in the USADA era that John has clean, been clean for and that John isn't the guy that we saw in some of those fights around it, that he's a different guy, that not on the on the, on the the juice tank. So Interesting. I still think John's the greatest fighter of all time. I still think under any circumstance, he's going to beat DC. That's just my personal taking, though. We don't know until it happens. All right. We don't know until it happens. Let's get into this co-main event because it's, it's damn good. All right. For the featherweight championship, Max Holloway, Brian Ortega. Uh, no one's hotter than Ortega coming off of that stoppage of Frankie Edgar where we're like, first we were like, is this guy, can he do anything but submit? And then we're like, wait, is he a title contender? Now we're like, hey, can he beat Max Holloway, who himself is among the most consistent red-hot fighters in the UFC? You like this fight? Because I'm fired up. I think this might be the best fight on the card if you really break it down. Mm, I like it, but it's the best fight on the card. Do you think, I like it. Do you think Brian Ortega is all that and a bag of chips or just all that, Kingmo? I don't know, man. Because the thing is, like, look, everybody's all that. The bag of chips part we don't know until we watch him fight. Everybody's all that. Everybody can win. Anybody can get beat. The things I just don't know just yet. He did beat Frankie Edgar, but destroyed Max Holloway's him. little yeah 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 destroyed him. But Max Holloway's a different animal. He's confident. He beat Jose. He beat Jose Aldo. He's riding a wave of confidence, man. Um, it's hard to beat someone that's that's very confident. So Ortega unbeaten at fourteen and zero. The only he has a no contest, but that was a submission win for him. He tested positive for a banned substance afterwards. We've never seen him really in trouble. We've seen him get some late submission wins where he kind of pulled it out of nowhere. It's fun when you don't know a guy's ceiling. I Max Holloway, I think I know his ceiling. He's really good. He's pound for pound level. He's all that. Beat the bags off of a, off of a determined Aldo in both fights. I don't know how good Ortega really is, and that's what makes this fight a little bit fun, a little bit of a mystery. If you're Ortega, do you? Dance with who, who brought you there? Are you looking for the, are you looking to get this fight to the ground? Mm-hmm. If I'm on Ortega, I'm trying to make this a, a all-out MMA fight. Because then, when it's, when it's like a, you know, like, remember the cartoon Heathcliff when the catch the fight and the beggar, the kind of, kind of smoke. Well, if he can create that type of commotion, he can fall into a submission. Chaos, when you have chaos, chaos can lead to a submission. Wow. I gotta, hold on. I gotta add that to the list of King Moisms. When you have, uh, well, hold on, I got the, I got the, the master list right here. Chaos. When you have chaos, it can equal a submission. All right, that, that's pretty sweet. Well, think about, think about like, um, Jordan Young, just the other day, on Bellator, he fought in the, on the post slams. The guy had his back. Oh, he actually had a guy's back. Flip up his back, right? The guy with the jump on him, Jordan threw up kicks. Chaos. The guy lost where he was at, guy fell into a triangle, guy submitted, Jordan submitted him to triangle. Things like that, like when wild things happen, you're like, oh no, and you 
That's when submissions happen. There's another King Moism. Damage plus a lack of gas equals trying to find a way out. We have no fear on Max Holloway's gas, right? Mm-hmm. No fear. What about Neither. Ortega? Do you think he can go five? Because that's that's the next level leap. Okay, you're, you're a title contender. Okay, you knocked out Frankie Edgar in the first round, but can you go five hard rounds where you're damaged and you're wounded and you need to be dramatic? We don't well, know. Who, we don't know, but the thing is that who, who, we don't know if we ever know because some people just don't get damaged. He might be the guy that – he might be like a Floyd Miller type guy that he's like, okay – Okay, I'm gonna stand to ground submission. You you never know. So I, I my thing is, we'll find out. I don't know. I don't know Max Holloway's feeling either. Because I know how good he is. He's won, but like, how, like he's still young. You know what I'm saying? He 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 can still be getting stronger and faster. Who knows? Um, Ortega, he he's something serious too. Um, this this fight is gonna be this fight is the most intriguing fight. But as far as the best fight in the card, yet. Yet. All right. Well, last question on this fight. Uh, a great, a wise man, King Mo once said, "The moment you make a machine think, it malfunctions." Can Ortega break Holloway mentally by making this a chess match? Well, not making a chess match, but I can, I can make it a thinking match by threatening him with submissions, by creating chaos. Because whenever there's chaos and he can grab something, that's what makes Holloway. Like, oh, oh, wait, wait. Here's my leg. Let me, let me, let me defend this. Oh, oh, here's my arm. Let me defend it. Because when you're defending something, that means you're not offensive. That means you're losing. Every time you're defending, the longer you spend time defending something, means the more you spend time losing. Very fair. Very fair. King Mo, I think this is the hardest fight to pick. I really do. I think you'd be safe and smart by just going, all right, I know Holloway better than I know Ortega. I know Holloway can go five hard rounds. I know Holloway is a man in there. I like him by a decision because I'm too afraid to pick anything else. I mean, you could you could go that way. Where? What is your pick? Where? How do you see this fight ending? Mm, I don't know. That's an honest man right there. You're saying you're saying straight up. I mean, so right now we have Holloway as a minus one forty five favorite. So that's pretty pretty close. Yeah, my favorite needs to be Ortega though. I have Ortega as a favorite. Simply off of what he did to Frankie, because I've never seen Frankie get treated like that. He also knocked out Clay Guido with a knee. He's shown you that if you pressure him, he can make you pay. Yeah, but at the same time, Max Holloway's a little taller, so that knee ain't going to work. You know, Frankie Edgar is short. Clay Guido is short. Max Holloway's tall, long, athletic, can go. I have a problem. I pick against Max Holloway in every single fight. Every single big fight, like six in a row, I pick against him, and he proves me wrong. I also have a problem where I pick Brian Ortega to win every time, and he does. I picked him to submit and finish, Frankie. He knocked him out. He surprised me. Those are two things warring against each other that's going to lead to me picking Brian Ortega to win the title and be that guy, King Mo. I am nervous about it because Max gets the job done. I didn't think he was going to stop Anthony Pettis. You know, I didn't think he was going to do all of these along the way. Yeah, yeah. He's a a bona fide winner. When you find ways to win – it's a formula, man. He has a formula to, find, to get to get to the victory. All right, King Mo. I'm going to pick Ortega. You're going Ortega. That's the end of that. We'll put that one away. We lost a potential fight of the night contender when the fight fell apart between Mike Perry and Yancey Medeiros. We have Paul Felder filling in last minute. Ah, decent. It, it downgrades it a bit. This other fight could be the fight of the night, King Mo. It's heavyweights. It's sloppy. It could be great. Francis Ngannou versus Derek Lewis. I don't know if this ends in six seconds or we go rounds. I just can't wait to see it. I think it'll go about two rounds. 
Because the thing is, like, if you watch Derek Lewis, Derek Lewis is like now starting to think more. Like you watched his last last fight, he was losing, but he started thinking. But he's a he's a beast, but now he's thinking more. He's not like as reckless as he used to be. And Ganu is as reckless as Derek Lewis, Lewis used to be. Interesting. Think about it. And Ganu don't respect nothing. He might respect Derek Lewis a little more, but I think that he's gonna be so amped and hyped up, ready to fight. He's gonna go out there and get knocked out, get caught. I think he'll get caught. I think that he's. I think. I think as far as athletically, he's a better athlete. I think he's bigger, stronger, bigger, stronger, faster than Derek Lewis. He's just. I think Derek Lewis has a better, smarter fight IQ. So you think Ngannou's going to get caught here? You think this is it? Yeah, I think he's get caught, man. I, 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 huh? He's in a tough spot, meaning he he either learned everything he'll need to learn from going five with Stipe, or he took a lot of damage going five with well, Stipe, like like DeSantos did against Kane. No, it's not that. What I think is like, um. The fight with the, the fight with uh, um, Stipe ain't gonna help him for this Derek Lewis fight. It ain't gonna help because Derek Lewis fights way different. Derek Lewis is a more polished version of Ngannou if you think about it. As far as like fight IQ, I, Ngannou just goes out there and just throws. Like when he knocked, when he knocked out, when he knocked out um, Overeem, he threw an uppercut, right? But he didn't know he's gonna he didn't know he's gonna throw that. He just threw it. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> an uppercut's, an uppercut's a punch you, 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 like, you know, you throw a punch and I dip down, or I stay still, uppercut's a punch you read, so you just, you, you slip it up in there. But he went out there and just threw the uppercut, you know, off of just feel. You know what I'm saying? Which is something you could do, but at the same time, it can get you caught up when you face guys with experience. I feel like Derek Lewis, you watch him, he comes out there, sometimes he'll do good and he'll start losing, they'll come back with a big shot. And he's done that with, um, Travis Brown. He did that with his last fight with a guy from Poland. Marcin Tibera, yeah. Marcin Tibera. So he, 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 he could, he has enough composure to land that one big shot. The thing is, as the fight goes on, who do you favor? I don't know. But the thing is, I feel, I feel like Derek Lewis will find a way to get that knockout win. I like Nganu by knockout, but this is, this is an interesting fight in a lot of ways. Hey, I don't, I don't hate this lightweight fight either. Michael Chiesa, Anthony Pettis. Wow, I kind of like this. Chiesa coming off the, Loss of that UFC 223 bout because of what Connor did. Pettis has been all over the place, King. But we want to see this guy return to the guy he used to be. But he keeps winning and losing every other fight. Who yeah. do you like in this one? Uh, Kiesa. More consistent, more ways to win. Yeah, more consistent. Yeah, and the thing with Pettis, I don't know what where he's training at. I, I heard he was at Jackson's, and I heard he's at Rufus for it. Who knows? Kimo, how fired up should we be about Gokin Saki, the famous kickboxer who's facing Khalil Roundtree Jr. in a light heavyweight bout to round out this pay-per-view card? Gokin won his UFC debut, of course, in September over Enrique De Silva with a knockout punch in the first round. It was only his second MMA fight. His debut was back in 2004 when he lost. Uh, is, is this guy legit? Do you, had you heard a lot about him? Had you followed him as a kickboxer? Do you know anything about this guy? Yeah, I know Gokin Saki pretty well. I've trained with him before. Sparred with him before, been trained with him in Holland before. He's Gokin Saki's legit. Oh, you got inside info. Yeah. Is this yeah. guy going to make some noise at age 34 in the light heavyweight division? Look, as long as the UFC puts up with people that want to stand, they're getting knocked out. So is there a little it, Kung Lee in him where you got to have the right matchup for it to be, to be, uh, fun? If they can match him with the right guys, the right, right now with Kung Lee, yes. The Kung Lee, if you give him the Kung Lee treatment, MVP treatment, move him around, like move him, Move a medium speed. You know what I'm saying? They give him a wrestler that they, okay, they can't, they can't grapple. They give him a grappler that can't keep, just like give him different looks. Cause it, I think, you know, you see strikers now, actually not strikers now, but 
over overall history, strikers tend to stay around longer. You know what I'm saying? In MMA sometimes. Wrestlers can, but they get worn down. But strikers are always have always been dangerous. Look at Anderson Silva. Strikers at Vanderlei. Strikers have always been always been dangerous throughout, you know, in, in, in MMA. They've been dangerous for a long time. Especially as they get older too. They still stay dangerous. I want to see what he has. Uh, I'm interested to see this is a decent, uh, you know, decent test here against Roundtree. The other card, the other fight that I care about on this card, I want to ask you in closing, is the preliminary card main event on FS1 middleweights, Uriah Hall and Paulo Costa, because this is where we find out, King Mo, if Costa is for real. Yeah, Uriah Hall is always feast or famine. Costa looked real good knocking out Johnny Hendricks. Take what you will from that fight, of course. And I don't think so. I think he looked horrible knocking out Johnny Hendricks. I think he looked impressive body wise. But, bro, Johnny Hendricks has touched him up. If Johnny Hendricks had an extra 10 pounds on him or extra 5 pounds on him, Johnny Hendricks would have knocked him out. Are you telling Johnny me I got, I got fell in love with his muscles and I'm like, this guy could be a star? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. Because he has a good look to him. Um, I'm pretty sure the UFC or whoever or whatever organization would want him fighting for him, would want him to speak good English. Because he has that look. You know, he has a great look, but I just feel like he carries too much muscle. He's a little slower. I think Uriah Hall is more versatile, a lot smoother than he is, and I think Uriah Hall will get that knockout victory. I think I think Paulo Paulo will gas, and I think if Uriah Hall stays composed and stays confident, he'll go out there and get the knockout victory in the second round. Oh, you heard it right here, King Mo, go putting it on the line. I love it. I second love it. Second round. Yeah, right, round, gonna, and another pretty face in UFC will go down, right? Another Tom Dukinwa, another another Tom next Duquenois. big thing is over hey, with. Hey, Van or Sage Norkin, huh? That's what I'm talking about. Hey, Kingmo, we covered it from every angle this week. UFC 226 in Vegas. I will be uh, blessed to be there. Speaking of blessed Holloway, I, I, I'm looking forward to it. Although, Kingmo, it's going to be 113 degrees on Saturday. I don't know how blessed I'm going to be out in there in the Vegas sun, but, you know. Luckily. Hey. You need to get me on your boxing podcast sometime, man. So I'm talking. Right, I got, I got some, I got some boxing insight. I got a lot of boxing insight. A lot. A lot of whispers in the yeah. gym these days. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So just let me, let me, whenever, you know, if you need me on the podcast, stop by and, and sprinkle a little knowledge on there. I got you. Just a little seasoning, a little spice, a little spice. Yeah, King yeah. Mo, thank you for joining us this week. You can follow King Mo at King Mo FH on social media. Follow me at B Campbell CBS at in this corner, CBS on Twitter for the show. Kingbo, any message to your fans? Anything to say as we exit? Well, look for me. I think I'll be fighting in October. I'm not sure who yet, but hopefully a big name. And uh, we out.